Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. Today I talk to holistic healer, health coach, hypnotist and author, Simone Gisondi. In this truly eye-opening episode, Simone opens up about how a near-death experience completely changed her life and way of looking at health, healing and nutrition. We also look at how the food industry perpetuates false information regarding food and nutrition, and we address the underlying psychological, emotional and vibrational causes of ill health. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Hello and welcome, Simone. It's really fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you for inviting oh, me. Oh, wonderful. Now, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are an holistic health coach and a practitioner, mm-hmm. but your journey to what you do has been quite, uh, as we were saying earlier, traumatic, I suppose, uh, 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 transition, traumatic journey through um, medicine or uh, um, uh, interactions with, with um, Western, the Western medical model. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'd really like you, in your own words, <laughs> and from the beginning, really just to just to just to fill us in because i know that there was something that happened to you which started you on this journey and um it's it's really an enlightening and uh an important story so if you'd if you'd like to <laughs> you know I'd, you start where you'd like to start but um uh i'd love to, to. You. i'd love to and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity i really want people to understand that uh, in the words of Dr. Gabor Mate, uh, the body will eventually say no. And I think that a lot of what happens to us and, and you know, having gone through my own healing journey, I think that a lot of this, when I connected the dots, made me realize that a lot of this started in, in early childhood. And I think that the uh, the medical community doesn't understand how they traumatize people. Uh, especially the young ones. So when I was young, first and foremost, I grew up in a ridiculously, brutally hard and so terrible communist regime. I mean, literally, I had to wake up at about three in the morning. I would go and stand in line for the rationed food that we used to get. So there was a lot of food scarcity and we would go without quite a bit. So even from the point of view of malnutrition as you are developing as a child. So that plays a role in your health and your body adjusts to that. But also the the medical community, like, you know, they they took out my my appendix when I was young. If I had my choice in it, I would never let them take out any um any organs out of my body. And then fast forward to later on in life, I was I've always been passionate about, I've always wanted to be healthy, always, always. So I was very regimented. I started working out with weights and running at about, I think I was about the age of 15. Um, I was very, very structured in my approach because I really wanted to give my body all that it needed, especially coming from that scarcity. 
And lo and behold, at about the age of 35, so about six days shy of my birthday, um, I collapsed in my kitchen. And leading up to that, I was, um, I weighed what I was eating. I counted my calories, proper hydration, daily gym running. I was working, um, given I was highly stressed. So mm. when I went through the whole process coming out of it on the other side, I came to realize that oftentimes the medical community cannot pinpoint exactly what happened. I mean, I was the poster child and I kid you not when I say my my family doctor, when I would go for my annual physicals and I would do my, my blood work, she would say to me, you are my most exemplary patient. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, my blood work test results were like phenomenal. And there was nobody healthier in her practice than I was. Um, my urine tests were coming up. All my numbers were really great. And yet somehow... I ended up having a, a stroke that nearly killed me. A so stroke. it defied a stroke, right? So yeah. when I collapsed in the kitchen that time, it was actually a stroke. Um, and there was absolutely nothing. And and oddly enough, actually, uh, I wanted to tell your listeners, today is actually International Stroke Day. So how oh, wow. we are having this conversation today of all days. Wow. Uh, but, but yes, so... It defied all and all and any medical research and everything that was done. So when I went through the system, obviously I ended up in the hospital. They took me in the resuscitation room. They they looked inside. Like the one thing I remember when I came to, one of the doctors was looking in my eye with a flashlight, and he just said, "He goes, get her to CT stat. It's a stroke." And so they sort of wheeled me into and they did all the the medical imaging and sure enough there was like this part of my brain that that had actually been damaged from the stroke so I couldn't speak I had speech aphasia I was very disoriented um, and there was like a, a cascade of other physical things like I could not lift at the gym anymore I had uh, literally I what I the weight that I was lifting I couldn't even lift a fraction of it. I had to literally start from scratch when I went back. So that and massive biochemical change in the body restructured the entire function of the entire organism. It it's it's really a big thing. Um and I and I was actually told by the doctors that had I not been as healthy I, as I had been leading up to the stroke, I would have 100% died. Um, so it was so it was scary. But the thing that I could not wrap my head around, because despite the fact that I had had the stroke, my mind was very lucid. I had full understanding of everything. I could hear and understand everything the doctors were saying. Mm-hmm. I could not verbalize back to answer them, but I could mm-hmm. understand them themselves when they were speaking to me. Um, and what happened is I I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I did not check any of the boxes. Typically, hypertensive individuals, so people who have high blood pressure end up having strokes. Uh, people who are overweight end up having strokes. Uh, people and especially older people, like people in their 50s, 60s, like it was an old person kind of a thing. Yeah, so I yeah. was I was an anomaly to be 35 and having a stroke, especially because and literally I had 
six pack on me. I was very defined. My muscles were top shape. I was a runner, extremely good VO2 max. My lung capacity was like in the 90th percentile. I was like at the top of my at my game. So you were really a perfect picture of physical health. Poster child, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So they couldn't give me answers despite the fact that I tried to ask like what caused this because I wanted to at least understand that and then I wanted to in my mind formulate an answer to say okay so this is what I'm gonna do because I had always been regimented in that way and I had always even when I was approaching my 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 fitness I was like okay I have to eat x amount of this to be able to my to maintain my weight at this to maintain my body fat percentage at this to be able to run this much run this long this many miles so I needed that information, that data to be able to formulate that in my head. And they couldn't give me anything. And I kept asking like, okay, what caused this? They're like, we don't know. And I'm thinking, how do you guys who put out research papers <laughs> with information that we're supposed to follow and we're supposed to take as gospel, you guys cannot give me a straight answer that's simple to say, well, it was this that caused it. It was like your high blood pressure. It was your this. It was nothing. It, they, mm -hmm. they had no answer for me. But they hospitalized me. So I was in the hospital for a whole bunch of time. I spent my birthday there. And they put me on their protocol that they give to these poster child of stroke. So like, let's say if a 65 or 67-year-old woman who is overweight and hypertensive has a stroke, they would put her on medication X, Y, and Z. Well, they put me on medication X, Y, and Z equal to what that woman would have. Yes, absolutely. So it they so they me off. So they weren't looking at you at all. They were no. just looking at no. the condition symptoms and yeah. looking at the symptoms of the condition and then That's just right. applying that to this young, fit, healthy, in peak condition woman. They put me on blood thinners. So I had no, no, yes. So I would have, because I remember when I went back to work um, and I was working in healthcare, this woman who was a nurse told me, she said, oh my goodness, if you cut yourself, you could like bleed to death if they have you on, on blood thinners. And I'm thinking, what doctor in their right mind wouldn't think of that in advance of putting me on this damn thing? So yeah, so they they basically had me in there and they were pumping me full of this medication and I, f I kept feeling worse and worse. I could see that my speech was not progressing. I was not progressive. So one day I said, you know what? Fuck you all. I'm out. Mm. So I, I actually literally escaped from the hospital in the middle of the night, um, you know, against medical advice, which is why I named the book that I wrote against medical advice. Wow. They wouldn't let me leave. They kept fear mongering that you can have another stroke. You're at a high risk for a second stroke. Usually people who have a, the first stroke, the second one comes shortly thereafter. And I'm thinking, okay, why would it come again? Tell me why. Well, Is it what I'm eating? Is it the fact that I'm not sleeping properly? Is it that I'm running too much? Like, tell me what to do to prevent that. And, but I'm and, like, but you guys can't even tell me why I had it to begin with. And did it. So, and first of all, just for, for clarification for people, this was this in Canada or was this in America? This was in Canada. Yeah, uh, and, where, where and you're based, I, yeah. Right. And I think it's also worth noting, I am the first one, the only one in my family, both maternal side and paternal side, that has had a stroke. 
Yeah. I don't, I, I, I mean, my father had cancer. So there's cancer on his side of the family. His father had had cancer, but no cardiovascular disease in, in, in the manner that I have. And both my father and I have actually, um, uh, blood pressure that's slightly on the low side rather than the mm. high side. So 118 over 110, 115, nothing that's, you know, 80 over 20, nothing yeah. like that. So slightly below. So so when they so when you were rushed to hospital, how long before you made your escape? Were you in there for weeks or days or or yes, months? Yes, yes, I was. I was there for quite some time. They kept running tests. I mean, they they put me through the battery of tests, Doppler, uh, you know, constant MRIs because they wanted to see if anything was regenerating in my brain. Um, they did um, the tests where they they inject dye in you to see the contrast to see if there were any other uh embolisms or anything like that anywhere in my lungs or blockages in the legs any anything to see because they kept saying that you know you're gonna you're high risk for a second one and and when i thought about it afterwards i thought yeah that's true because if let's say i already had a blood clot chances are i'm not gonna have just one but more than one and the second one would come when the second blood clot would travel up to the brain which is typically wow. what happens with people who have who have strokes and typically they they come in a series like there's a stroke a, ma- a like a major stroke and then there's like mini strokes afterwards or mini strokes before and then the massive one so so Step. i wanted those answers i wanted to be able to understand yeah. it and more than anything i wanted to be treated for me who i am as the person the individual yeah. like don't put me on medication that you would give somebody because what they do is they they measure people in a way that that they lump everybody in the same thing so it's like i'm not a woman who's 60 hypertensive and overweight but i'm a woman so if you're gonna think that just because i have the same gender as this other individual you're gonna lump me in the same no no like it would i would regenerate and heal a lot faster being only in my 30s than somebody who's in her late 60s. So I it really upset me that they did not take those things into account at all. Well, I'm not surprised. And and did at any time when you were in the hospital, did they actually ask you about lifestyle or about, about no. stress? <laughs> no. And and ultimately that's what it was. And I kind of that's when I started doing research on it. it there was a nurse that said that to me. She's like, oh, because I was telling her, I said, I'm, you know, I'm in the process of getting divorced. She said, oh, so you were probably just a little stressed. And I thought, huh, well, well, that makes kind of sense because nothing else makes sense, nothing else. Mm -hmm. And then of course, when I went back and I started studying, I see that 99% of all disease like has its roots in in stress. Stress like starts this biochemical cascade in the body and for example if you're let's say traveling down the road and somebody really upsets you while you're driving and you get angry your blood your body takes that as a threat Mm. it does not know what's happening outside it could be that a you know typically how all other practitioners discuss it it's like as if a 
a lion's running after you. Your body doesn't know that it's somebody yeah. just pissed you off because they cut in front of you on the on the highway. It could be that a lion's running behind you and you're so stressed. So your blood kind of thickens up so that in case you get cut, you don't bleed out. So the body and it's obvious and insane wisdom and knowledge and 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 everything that you know it's programmed with so the blood coagulates so it gets really thick so that you don't bleed out and i had that kind of stress like over and over and over with what i was dealing with with my with my divorce so then it kind of clicked in because i thought hmm so if all that stress my blood was coagulating constantly um and of course there were like angry moments too of mm. course as i'm sure everybody who's gone through divorce understands and knows it made sense um but so when i when i had that answer i said ah okay so now i know that i have to really work on that and i mm. and i wholeheartedly believe that any and all disease has to be a disease in the way that the medical community labels it has to be addressed first and foremost from the mindset and yeah. you have to understand it. You have to kind of think back on what kind of traumas have there been. And the only one practitioner I spoke with, a lovely, amazing um, naturopathic doctor here in Canada, and she was the only one because she asked me, she said, when you lived back home, and so just for the audience, you know, I, I was born and raised in Romania uh, under the Russian communism. So that's why it was as hard as I mm -hmm. described earlier. She said, were you there when Chernobyl happened? And I said, yeah, yeah, I was. I was about five, six years old. Wow. And she said, was there stuff falling from the sky when you were there? I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, we were kind of laughing outside when ash was falling from the sky because we didn't know that that's what had happened. They, in true communism, you know, they would not tell you the truth. It was just ash falling from the sky. We thought there was like a fire somewhere nearby and there's ash. But that was actually from Chernobyl. So we, like, I obviously took all that kind of stuff in too. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the medical community never looks at these particular situations. While I was in the hospital here in the Canadian system, basically they said stroke equals this protocol. So if you're five years old and you had a stroke, or if you're 85 years old and you had a stroke, they put you through the same protocol. Blood thinners, nothing for lifestyle. They didn't talk to me about diet. They didn't say, hey, if you eat this, it'll really help your brain regenerate quicker. This is a really good food for brain health. None of that. I mean, I wouldn't feed what was in the hospital even to somebody I wanted to poison. It was that disgusting. It was not even real food. Um, and, and it really, really pissed me off that they treated me the way that they did. So that's why I said, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm, I'm out of here. So I plotted my own escape because they did not sign off on it. I took out my, I had, I was hooked up to a, to an IV, you know, I had my saline water going in and all that. And all my medications that they had me on was going through an IV. And I asked the nurse, can you please take this out? I'm leaving. And she said, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and then I said, yes, yes, I am. So then of course I thought to myself, I'm not going to engage in, any kind of fight with you here mm -hmm. in, in my hospital room. So when she left, I took out the IV myself. I got dressed. I called my ex-husband and I said, can you please come pick me up? Came, pick me up. And I ran away from the hospital in the middle of the night. It was about midnight when I left. And I luckily I was at the end of the hallway 
very close to the elevator. So nobody saw me that I was leaving. I'm sure they probably called the code for missing patient after I left. But yeah. My God. I was so fed up with, so fed up with it. And so, so, so in terms of you being in the hospital, so I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this. So this, uh, this is in Canada. This is 20 years yep. ago, possibly less, 15 years ago. Uh, 2011. 2011. Yeah. Okay, 2011. Yeah, so 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Um, and wow, it's not even that long ago, really, actually. Uh, yeah. uh, in terms of in terms of treatment that you received. Um, and so you were in the hospital. And when, uh, when did you re- regain speech when did you was that was the speech in terms of what happened to you first of all physiologically the the um, effects of the stroke did you manage to regain a little bit of strength and speech kind of quite rapidly or did that come within uh a week or two or how you know speech speech took quite a bit of time the longest speech was the longest because it was that's the area of the brain that got impacted the most. The rest of like the strength and the ability to, like I was quite shaky. My knees were sort mm-hmm. of jello most of the time. Um, but that's because I had, like I pushed, my body was pushed into this drastic change. I mean, I was going from eating regularly regimented. I was taking in my good balance of proteins, fats and carbs, and I was hydrating and running and to being in the hospital on my back 24 hours, going nowhere for fresh air, no access to sunshine, no access to real food, stress. I wasn't even able to sleep because you constantly had the beeping machines and they would call stuff like code red, code pink, code blue, code this, code that. And and then you had constant cut, like the the nurses kept coming in constantly to check on things. So they would take all of my vitals and like, so there was no, no sleep to be had. So clearly that impacts your health. It's going to impact your body, which Mm. it did for me as well. Um, But I'll tell you this, what was extraordinary is that when I, and this is another thing why I realized that there's such a big component of energy to healing and to disease, Mm. but to healing Mm. because it's a different side of the coin. When I made the decision, literally, literally, when I said, fuck you, I'm leaving, I got infused with this. It's like somebody plugged me into a an outlet. Like I got this surge of energy. Surge of energy, yeah. I, I thought I'm like, I could do anything right in this moment. I was excited, probably a lot of adrenaline too. Mm. But I was so happy because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be able to eat and I'm going to be able to sleep in my bed and all the luxuries that I had at home that I had taken for granted mm. up until that point were just this, this like mirage, like a, I'm going towards an oasis. I'm going to like a palace. This place mm. is like a, like, I felt like I was in Alcatraz. Literally, I was like, uh, like a prisoner. That's how I wow. looked at it. So when I shifted my mentality that I'm going to go home, it was like a surge of positive energy that coursed through me. And I, and I, I had the power of getting changed. I took out my IV. I put on clothes up until that point. I was constantly in the hospital bed, kind of battling with my mind because I had all kinds of thoughts. You know, they kept saying, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to have, you're such high risk of a secondary uh, stroke. 
And of course, my mind would take over and it would be like, oh, see, yeah, you could die. And then I had to sort of counter. So I had these conversations in my head to try to defend myself, to be like, shut the fuck up. No, we're not going to die. We're going to be fine. And we're going to go home and life is going to go back to okay, to being okay and normal. And nothing that they're saying is going to be the case here. Like there's no other outcome as other than the one that I dictate here. Well, I think it's, I think it's also when you, you said that, I think it's, you took back your power because when we don't have when we give yes. away our power, obviously, so true. when you're in a vulnerable position after having just just had a stroke, you've given your power. You you are ostensibly powerless and you've given your power to others okay. and you're looking for uh, an answer from those people. And it does leave us weak. And then when you said that there, I just thought, yeah, wow, no wonder you had this surge because you you took back your power energetically. You said, right, that's it. I'm taking my power back and I'm out of here. So, Mm -hmm. so, wow. And yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes. And it was just the, what you said, because these individuals in the hospital did not even give you the power to at least even verbalize, Hey, this doesn't make me feel good. Basically Mm -hmm. they were telling you never was there a question asked like, is this okay? Do you feel okay with this? How are you feeling? It was basically like, well, this medication is making me nauseous. Yeah, but you need it. Well, so irrespective of how you feel, whether you're dying from it, whether you're uncomfortable, whether, you know, you're not even able to function, you need it. It's part of the protocol. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was, it is, because they don't take into account how you yourself as the individual that you are, how you need to heal. Like, Mm. what do you need to heal? And peace of mind is probably by far being in a good frame of mind is probably by far the number one thing. And then everything else follows. And I realized that when I said, like, I'm out of here, I'm going home. The happiness of that, I felt physically so powerful. It was Mm. like, like I said, like as if somebody plugged me in and I got my energy, like the energy was coming from the from the outlet into my body. And I was like, oh. Look at how good it feels when you are able to be in this state, in this power. And when you have the, you have the final say. So I'm like, okay, from this point forward, like I call the shots, like I'm not Mm -hmm. doing the medications. I'm not doing the hospital thing. I'm not doing anything other than what I want to do. So I was lucky enough because obviously I was off work. So when I got back home, I was able to really dig into doing research to see like, okay, what do I need to do to heal this? What have other people done? And of course there were forums and I was able to do the research necessary to what do I need to do to heal my brain? That was the most important Mm. thing. No longer was I, you know, can I run, can I, instead of running, you know, a 6.5 mile, can I run a four, 4.8 mile? I wasn't thinking about that any longer. It was just, how can I heal my brain? How can I get my speech back quickly? And uh, so, yeah, so what I did is because I was lucid enough, I went back to school. I did my research. I started, you know, looking at what it takes. And then I decided to go back to school. So I went and I did a program in nutrition Mm -hmm. because through the research, I realized, and it's incredible that the medical community doesn't actually tell you this, I'm sure they know, if what you are experiencing is with the body, so whether you have a headache or 
whether you are diabetic, so your blood sugar is not regulating, or whether you have digestive issues. If that thing is expressing itself from the body, it naturally would have to do with something that you put in the in body. The body yeah. So whether that's medications, food, drugs, whatever you're drinking, whatever beverages, whether it's alcohol or water or milk or coffee, like whatever you put in the body, the body interfaces with that. And then the body expresses how it feels in return for you. That's your feedback. Mm-hmm. It tells you, this is how what you just gave me makes me feel. But I think we're so, and I I was 100% guilty of this. I was not aware enough. It was, I was just feeding myself for the outcome at the gym mm-hmm. and for the maintenance of my, of my weight. It was not so much for me to be able to say, I'm nourishing my body. Yeah. My body I- can give me so much back. That's the word nourishing, isn't it? That's it's right. It's this food as a function i've i've i have had some friends where i've kind of like i've watched the meat and there's something quite aggressive almost yes. about the food preparation and about how they're eating because it's like it's fuel as opposed to nourishment and there's something even the way you prepare things the way you yes. energetically what you what you're eating the way it's prepared how you eat it has such a profound effect on us and how we function um because you say as you say it's this this interface isn't it our body is the interface between food and and uh us uh functioning in the world so so you so first of all your first port of call was to go back to school and to study nutrition and to look at how that was a that's affected you. Yes, because I thought, what is the one thing? I mean, aside, of course, from the stress, because I was I was quite stressed going through with my divorce. Mm-hmm. But what is the one thing that we do so often throughout the day? Right? We we consume things. We consume information. We mm-hmm. interface with other people's energies, and mm-hmm. we consume foods and beverages, and every single thing, much like. I came to realize much like, for example, when you're near a negative person and you can't, you, you, you sort of, your energy kind of blends in with their energy. You mm-hmm. all of a sudden feel like, well, I don't feel so good when I'm around this person. Um, much like how the energy of the foods that you take into your body have the same effect. Mm-hmm. So if the vibration of the food, and I know this is going to sound woo woo, but if we're going to really distill it down, we know everything is energy. Yeah, which is why we get energy from foods. That's why we have the the ability to go and run and work out and function at work and mm. for our brain to operate. And you know, you say, "Well, I had my coffee and I'm sharp now, and I could think." Mm. So everything that we put into our body that has its own frequency is that discordant with with your own body's frequency, or does it does the frequency of is the frequency of the food so low that it it doesn't even bring you up? at all or it brings you up like just a little versus really good quality foods that have such a high vibration that they really elevate you Mm. because everything has a vibration everything has a frequency and the same with our own body I mean they've studied this and there's so much information on it when I was doing my studies they could tell you 
between what like what's the what's the range of a sick person's frequency the the body's frequency mm. what's the range of a frequency of somebody who has cancer terminal cancer mm. what's the frequency of somebody who's really at the top of their game really healthy really well really vibrant really vital they could measure all that and they could also measure what foods actually give to the body versus what foods take from the body. So yeah. when you're sick, that means that your energy has been depleted. You're leaking energy that belongs to the body for you to be able to feel well. Yeah. And it's the most important time when you need good nutrition and you need oh. high vibration foods. Mm -hmm. And I know we had a, a conversation outside of the podcast where we were talking about uh the food, the food industry at the moment and the packaging of foods and and things that aren't even you wouldn't even describe them as food because they're so they're just a, a whole load of kind of, uh, you know, a, atomic chains as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to proper, healthy, nourishing, natural from the ground to the plate, there is so much that has been kind of tampered, so much food that has been tampered with. And that we're and that that companies are making a lot of money, because food industry as well as big pharma make a lot of money on producing food that's very cheap and of absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever to anyone. And it shouldn't really actually be called food, to be honest. No. Because the only true food that the body understands and can make use of is what Mother Nature gives us when it's left in the way that Mother Nature has made it. Mm. Whereas if you're going to take something and you're going to put it through a series of processes and refinement, it's no longer food. Your body no longer recognizes it. Food is taken fraction so they take away something but they leave something else but the only way that that food could be beneficial to you is if both things are part of it yeah that's the only way that the body can interface with it um so oftentimes when you see that they they bleach things or you know the white bread well bread when it's made with the natural wheat the way that it grows on a field is never white uh -huh. never white i mean i remember when my grandmother would make bread it was never white it was dark it was mm. it had like a dark hue to it whereas you know here in north america you see a lot of the super white white bread that has almost no nutritional value except for elevating your blood sugar so that puts a lot of stress on your pancreas to give you the insulin necessary for that sugar to enter your cells so imagine doing that constantly and a lot of people do that and and often what i tell my clients when i work with them i say imagine you're at work and your boss and you have your eight hour shift but your boss says you know do this project as well and you say oh but i'm gonna be here until midnight your boss is like yeah but you have to do it that's what you're asking of your body and then imagine after you finish at midnight and your boss says oh you're done okay finish this as well so now you you're dumped on again with another project and now you don't have the rest necessary for you to recharge your batteries to be able to come the next day and be productive that's what we do to our body with mm. what we eat especially when we consume these things that are not real food 
So it's much easier to tell people what food is than to say that everything that's produced out in factories is food. Mm -hmm. It's like saying that two or four tires on the side of the street is a car. Well, no, (laughs) you require to have the body, steering wheel, an engine, an exhaust system, seats, um, and so on and so forth. So you can't look at those fraction things as food. And and that, again, where you said that looking at four wheels and saying, well, hey, that's a car. But this is exactly how the food advertising, I should say, industry works in terms of telling us the wonderful nutritional value of something that's absolute rubbish, where, for example, fluoride, you know, oh. people that, the you know, fluoride's really great. No, fluoride isn't great for you. You know, um, cow's milk. That's really fantastic for you. And and you you look at these things and you think, where did that come from? And when you do research and you look back further back, you'll think, well, this was an ad man's dream. The advertisers were like, yeah, well, let's just tell people cow's milk is great for them. And then let's really aggressively market that idea until something that is not fact becomes fact and everybody believes this. So all of these things where it's like, let's make something really healthy by taking out all of the natural fat (laughs) and putting in uh, artificial sweetener or artificial whatever. It's uh, colors, colors, yeah, preservatives. And we and we feed these to to our kids, you know, and to and to ourselves. It's actually really. it's actually really frightening. That's why um, I was saying that a lot of times disease starts because of what we feed. So the development of the body, mm. especially children's bodies in today's age, that development happens with those chemicals being present. Yeah. Eventually, the damage that's done internally is going to seek an outlet. It's going to show itself. And oftentimes, because a lot of times people wonder now, oh, my, I, I heard that so-and-so's child has cancer and it's like well I'm not surprised because what did mom eat when she was pregnant what kind of genes is she passed did she pass on to this child what is the child fed when they're young and you see them being put on these formulas which are garbage poison Mm -hmm. um Does mom have a good diet when she's breastfeeding because everything is passed on the milk and a little bit of critical thinking. um, And when I talk to my clients, I just say, when you decide on what you're going to eat, just ask yourself, like, are you, let's say Cheerios, you know, which is a typical breakfast, like any kind of, any kind of cereal. Are you... Cheerios deficient? Chances are you're not. Are -hmm. you cow milk deficient? Chances are you're not. And in truth, what you said earlier about the the dairy, the milk, if you really look around, so back to the critical thinking, if you look around at nature and other animals in Mm. like on planet earth, all species have the female produce milk and the milk production happens for the young for that particular person's young to grow. Yeah. And the nutritional profile of that milk 
is again in nature's wisdom and into like intelligence infinite intelligence of nature that nutritional profile so the constituents of that milk are such that it would help that particular young grow to its maximum capacity now mm -hmm. imagine that a cow grows to almost about 2000 pounds so the nutritional profile, the constituents, the fats, the proteins, the, the carbohydrates that are part of that milk would support the growth of a 2,000 pound animal. Yeah. Well, no human being grows to 2,000 pounds naturally. I mean, I don't even think that even unnaturally anybody would get to 2,000 pounds. No. But what would make someone think that the nutritional profile is compatible to a human being's requirements? It's not. And if you really look at it, every single female of every single species, once the young stops needing the milk, lactation actually ends. Mm. So why would an industry perpetuate the production of milk in an animal that doesn't have its young to feed? And yeah. they do it to monetize, to feed it to us. Yeah. And of course, this after it goes through a whole bunch of products. Processing. I mean, cheese does not grow on trees. It doesn't even come from a cow. It's processed. It's milk mm -hmm. that's turned bad and they turn it into cheese and sell it to you. Or the same thing, you know, yogurt, it, it sort of it's fermented and then they, they sell it to you. So when it comes to nutrition, it's so important that people put their critical thinking hat on and really go down that path to say, what is it that I need to eat to be nourished? And nothing outside of that is actually even necessary. So the chips and the sodas, not necessary at all. Nobody's like chip deficient. Nobody is soda deficient <laughs> that you would actually need it for your yeah. own survival. You yeah. Give me, give me some Doritos to keep me a lot. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, we don't need or cookies or yeah. any uh, popcorn. Yes, exactly. None of these things are necessary for survival. So it's better to look at what but, you need to eat versus what you want to eat. And and when you say that, it makes me think, yeah, they're not necessarily, they're not, sorry, they're not necessary, but they're highly addictive. And that's oh, the key, God. isn't it? Oh. Why it would be great to turn around and say, well, no, I don't really want those things. But again, when somebody is feeling a particular way, they reach, they'll reach for the chocolate or they'll reach for the wine or they'll reach for the, crisps or whatever and it's that addictive addictive quality people, of the food if people could go and do their own research of course i had to do it for my for my yeah. projects that i had to do at school it would blow your mind if you saw how precise the science and research is behind how they can override your own your own body's systems of satiety of mm -hmm. hunger they actually go and they hijack your system and they get you addicted by shutting down certain processes of the body that are natural to keep you from overeating and getting yourself sick so that you can regulate things like for example if the body says listen i can give you an output of x amount of insulin today mm. that's your that's your ceiling and you keep eating the body's going to say, Jesus, like I have to give you more because you're forcing my hand. But if you were to eat in line with what you actually need 
instead of hijacking and overriding and completely destroying the software that your body's programmed with, it would blow your mind. And all, all I would have to say to, to the audience is go and look at some of the research done on foods and see who has actually funded or sponsored that. Because mm -hmm. I remember when we had to go and do the research, it would it was mind blowing to me how the very the dairy industry sponsors its own research. Of course, it's going to yeah. be biased to tell you it's yeah. needed. Of course, yeah. it's going to say you need vitamin D. Well, in fact, no, you actually need magnesium. You don't need mm -hmm. vitamin D, not to the degree that you and nobody gets it from from dairy. Otherwise, yeah. osteoporosis would not even exist. But it does. So mm -hmm. there, the whole dairy myth has been debunked, but these are some of the things that people can do. Just go and do that research. And hopefully that's going to give you enough information that it's going to make you rethink your choices. So the only thing that you should eat is whatever mother nature makes. And if it doesn't grow on a tree, if it does, if it's not naturally produced by, if you're going to be a meat eater by an animal, like an egg that comes as an egg, not in a carton, not with the yolk removed, not not none of that. That's the only thing you should eat. And I would also caution people, go and look if you're going to go and buy packaged food, which you shouldn't, just know that when a company goes out of its way to try to persuade you to buy it because it's been reinforced with this or fortified with that, stay away. That's how you know that that food is not good for you. Like if mm -hmm. it, if they go out of their way to try to convince you to buy it because they, they trick, trick you into thinking that they put something extra good in it, it means it wasn't there to begin with. But broccoli, you don't go and find broccoli and it doesn't say on it, you know, like extra vitamin C or extra yeah. anything in it or a banana doesn't say extra potassium fortified with potassium. It just has the potassium because that's how it's naturally made. That's, yeah. An avocado doesn't say extra fat in it. It's just, it, it's its natural function to give you fat. So stay away from those foods. That's an important, important tip. Wow. Wow. God, Simone, this is so great. When we first started having this conversation. <laughs> oh, true. I was like, okay, you know, and then you escaped from hospital. And now we've gone into this, you know, this amazing and really important. I think this is shifting people's perception around what food is, what food actually is, what nourishment actually is. And when you say engage with critical thinking, that's the most important thing. But we are so... We have become so society, when I say we, has become so uh, uh, brainwashed. influenced, brainwashed, yeah, brainwashed by advertising, brainwashed by, uh, um, you know, um, uh, reports that say, uh, well, we findings, we found that this will make you feel really great and there, there, there's that and this is bad for you and that's bad. and it's like it's as you say it's like if it's a carrot it's great it's a carrot eat it if it's a vegetable that's great you know unless it's been gmo'd beyond you know within an inch of its life but if the, the more organic something is obviously the better it is for you things that have that we pick up in stores 
if they have, I, I kind of have a rule of thumb that if it's something has more than, you know, sort of five ingredients on the pack, I kind of steer away from those things, even mm-hmm. things that I put on my skin and in oh, my yeah. hair and on my, you know, at the, because all of these things every day, again, I don't think people really are understanding that how many chemicals we come into contact with through our skin uh, and that, that things that we put on our faces, on our bodies, in our mouths, on our hair. Uh, and it's not just those things that we ingest, but things that we're actually putting on our bodies that we really have to be really careful about in terms of the ingredients in those things. Well, I know that I said initially that the things that we we ingest, but in reality, like if we're going to talk from a technical perspective, whatever you put on your skin, you're also ingesting mm, because the skin yeah. is an organ. It's actually the largest, the organ largest organ. Yeah. And it is the doorway that ushers things out. When we sweat, you're eliminating, mm. you know, not toxins that the body has been holding on to. So it comes out through sweat, but it also ushers things in, especially when you're in heat. So in the summer, when it's hot and, you know, the pores open, they take things in and they also eliminate. And when you have people slather on things that kind of close that door and at least some of that stuff seeps in like you know the cancerous sunscreens that people slather on themselves Mm -hmm. as well as on their children um and that by the way is the leading cause of skin cancer bar none not the sun yeah yeah and so people don't understand that that stuff ends up in your bloodstream and it adds to the toxic load. So absolutely, what you put on your skin, whether it's makeup, whether it's mm. moisturizers, whether it's lotions, all of that stuff is something that your body interfaces with. And it still goes back to what I said earlier about the vibration. A chemical doesn't vibrate in the same way that a fruit does. And a lot of people can actually do the test, hold something to your solar plexus, so to the stomach area, so to speak, and and let somebody do the kinesiology test, hold your arm out and see if you lose power. How easy is it for you to, for somebody mm-hmm. to push your arm down? When you're in your strongest point, when something gives you strength and power, like let's say you take a fruit or an avocado, hold it to yourself. And now you're interfacing with that fruit or that particular thing. You're interfacing with its, <clears throat> excuse me, with its um, vibration and frequency you will either be infused with power or it's going to eliminate power from you. So do the same thing with holding a cell phone to you. That will leak your energy real fast. You will see how quickly you fail. So everything that we we interface with is going to affect our health 100%, mm. including thoughts, including things we watch on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's everything, isn't it? It's it's funny. I was thinking I was I I got a new phone the other day, new cell phone the other day, and they gave me as a as a an extra a um a smartwatch. And oh, wow. I, and I put this smartwatch on and then I just went, whoa, no, <laughs> I don't want to wear this because I have something that's emitting radiation on my pulse point and I was like no this is a wonderful watch it's really great I might have to hang it on my bag or might have to give it I wouldn't give it to somebody but you know because I wouldn't want them to because I would feel a certain responsibility 
about affecting that person's health. But again, it's like, whoa, you see people walking around with these phones clutching their in the men with their phones in their pockets. Oh, yes. Testicular. Testicular cancer. Cancer. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. So, so. God, I could talk to you for (laughs) for hours. Yes. Well, don't you worry. We will. I'm going to have you on my show. Yeah. So that we can continue this conversation. I would love to hear about some of your experiences in this wonderful world of medicine. Well, well, I can talk a little bit about healing, but, um, but to really, because I know we have to, we have to come to a close soon, which I, 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 as I say, Simone, God, I could talk to you forever. Um, uh, and this is such a fascinating and such an important subject because, you know, I think, you know, I'm thinking water, the water that we, that we drink, the water that comes oh. out of the tap, how the, the water is treated, you know, how the water is treated and, the, and things that we can do before we go. I mean, I definitely want you to come back because we need to also talk about the rest of your healing. Um, what I would and my do dad's. My yeah, dad's, and your yes. dad's and your dad's healing from cancer, but mm. um, so so what I'll do is I, I will put in the show notes uh, details about your book um, mm-hmm. against medical advice, your memoir, so people That's will right. also be able to find out more about your journey and what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, I know, we've got to the point where you've. Um, where you have re-educated yourself and become a holistic, presumably that the education then continued, and now, and obviously now you are uh, an holistic practitioner and coach. Um, but could you just for just for people who are listening, like you, you said, really to raise our awareness because um, because it, this is the thing, isn't it? All, all our illness, and I know this is a really controversial thing to say, but all our illness, every single illness we have, always stems from us. You know, it, it kind of the vibration that we admit, and that vibration can be affected by thought. That vibration can be affected by uh, where we've placed ourselves. That vibration, well, is always really affected by thought and how that manifests. And then the subsidiary factors, which are environment, uh, nutrition, uh, as you say, um, well, emotion, I suppose, as well. People Um, you surround yourself with. People you surround yourself with. Oh, my God. Yeah, completely. That is that is something that is really uh I think something that really um, is an important factor in our in our healing and in our not just our physical for our physical health but also for our mental health. Um, what could you what what can you um, leave the listeners with that is something that they can uh, take away a takeaway that might assist them with looking at their looking at illness i suppose wow that's bit, <laughs> and that's that's massive that's something that's huge we could talk about that again for another 4 hours but something you know something small like you said there with the kinesiology uh um example 
kinesiology example of um uh, holding, out. yeah testing yep. out yep. holding holding a fruit or a vegetable or whatever it is to your solar plexus and then having uh your and try arm. to hold your yeah try to hold your arm out like steady not not limp not loose but just steady and and have somebody try to push it down while you try yeah. to resist yeah yeah and you will see the difference when you are holding something that gives you power and strength it'll be difficult for that person to push, to your push arm the, yeah yeah whereas if you put something there that's actually robbing you of energy or it's no longer there's no longer that energy circuit yeah like it, it breaks the circuit yeah then yes you you fail that but yeah. what i would say ultimately and i really want to emphasize what you said it's true we are the ones that create our own health and our own ill health so if you find yourself constantly being sick, you really have to do a um, an inv take inventory of mm. what you're consuming, whether it's food, beverages, people you surround yourself with. And are these things positive or negative? Do they actually bring you up or do they bring you down? Um, as far as the foods are concerned, what mother nature makes is exactly what your body needs. There's a there's a synergetic um, synergistic relationship between mm. that and the body. It's made as such so that the body recognizes those things, whereas the chemicals that are in the foods of today are not recognized by the body. The body doesn't know how to digest or metabolize them. So those are foreign entities in the body. And that's when you sort of activate your immune system, which oftentimes the reason why people get sick is because the immune system becomes fatigued from constantly mounting an attack against things that we eat every day. So the Franken foods, as I call them, whatever the mm. body doesn't recognize, and it constantly has to call on the immune system to say, go fight this off. Imagine if you had to fight something off 24 hours a day, you would get exhausted and you'd no, collapse. You'd yeah, exactly. Uh, so the foods that we eat, the people, the thoughts, that's very important. That's also yeah. energy and frequency. And if your thoughts are such that there's apathy or fear, much like how today's world is all about, it certainly will make you sick. Much like mm -hmm. I was talking about when I said the stress of my marriage, the, you know, the dark thoughts, the, the constant fighting, that is what sort of brought me to my stroke. So mm -hmm. I'm the perfect example of that. That's why now I recognize how many things interface to really support your health or to lead to the demise of your health. So yeah. those are the most important things, but it's so, so crucial that you go towards all of these things with a critical thinking hat on so you can understand how foods work. You can understand, and everything has to be studied. We're not, none of us are... I believe that people think to themselves that they are, because we eat every day, we're experts at, at food. We're not. Mm. Uh. We don't understand how nutrients interface with our body. We don't understand the ratios that are needed by different people in different climates mm. at different time of the year. Like, for example, in the summer, your body has different needs than in the winter. People think that they can eat the same thing throughout the year. That's not true at all. But fundamentally i think if you work with a professional they could demystify these things and it doesn't have to be a forever thing just go work with somebody three four times let them educate you so you can make really good decisions going mm -hmm. forward mm -hmm. you can learn that for yourself so you can support your own health going yeah. forward yeah well it's funny you say that recently i i had a i had a one finger which was just like swollen itchy eczematous 
horrible. It was a nightmare. So I thought, and I said to people, oh, you know, people were like, well, uh, is it something that you've been using washing your hands with? And I thought, well, why would it affect one finger? That's Uh, right. And so I went to an Ayurvedic doctor. And the first thing that they did for me, apart from giving me this fantastic herbs, was to to ask me to change my diet because they said that you have too much fire. You're a pitta person. You have too much fire in you. It's too much heat. And we need to take some of this heat away. And wow, my finger is fine, you know, because it's back to normal. And that again, it's just, and that is obviously using ancient uh, 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 traditional techniques, yeah, uh, yeah, traditional healing techniques that look that looked at me. They t- they again with this healing, they they were looking at me and what I was doing and the kind of person that I am. They were like, yeah, you're a fiery person. There's too much heat there, and I was like, yeah, baby, there is. <laughs> There's a lot of fire here, and so they were like, we need to we need to get rid of some of this fire. And um, because it's manifesting in your body in illness. No, it's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Simone, you are so fantastic. I I thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been absolutely brilliant. It's been brilliant talking to you. Please come back. Um, and if people want to find you, could you please just run through all of your contact details and all of your socials and where they can find you? And I will put all this information into the show notes, but if you can just run through that, that would be great. First and foremost, thank you so much for the opportunity for me to be able to come and talk about this. I'm passionate about it. And of course, I want everybody to learn so they don't have to go through what I went through. It was a scary time. Mm-hmm. And certainly coming face to face with death is not a walk in the park. Uh, so certainly I, I, I appreciate the ability to be able to put out my message. Uh, and to get a hold of me, yes, he, like head over to my, to my website, simonegisandi.com. Uh, you could purchase my book from there. You can get in contact with me. My email address is simone at simonegisandi. Happy to schedule you to have a conversation about how I can help. I do a lot of coaching, transformation coaching. Mm. So if you're sort of tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, as they say, I'm happy to put together a program to identify some of the gaps and some of the things that you are lacking or some of the things that perhaps you're doing too much of that are taking your body out of balance and get you back on track and also to advise you on how to choose the right foods that are perfect for your body and bring you that energy and that high vibration to make you feel vital and and alive (laughs) i already guess that's what it's about (laughs) feel vital and alive talking to you it's fantastic thank you thank you thank you thank thank you you, caroline amazing more than happy to come back to continue the conversation yes please yes please i feel like you know uh, when we were talking about your, as I said initially, when we were talking about what happened to you in terms of how it then uh, shifted your perception and also changed the direction of your uh, uh, of looking at illness, um, mm-hmm. I didn't realise we'd kind of go down to this, uh, uh, not even rabbit hole, but it's like open up this amazing uh uh, box of information with, with regards to nutrition, which has been incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Brilliant. Very, I'm very, very grateful for you having me on my show, on your show. And I look yeah. forward to 
having you on mine so we can yeah. continue the conversation of, there as of, well. Of course. And um, everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the Perception Podcast this week. Please like and follow and share and subscribe. And um, if you think that anything you've heard here will help anyone else, please let them know. Thanks very much. Bye.